Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 278 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, we'd like to thank Colonial Surety Company Bonds and Insurance for bringing you this podcast. Whatever court bond you need, get a quote and purchase online at colonialsurety.com forward slash podcast. And we'd also like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. And we want to mention that the second edition of our book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, is available on Amazon. Everyone agrees that collaboration is essential in today's world, but now, more than ever before, knowing the right tools will make all the difference. In our last episode, we had our annual technology resolution episode. A lot of great ideas in there for you if you haven't listened to it already. In this episode, we return to our big personal knowledge management project we're calling the Second Brain and the organization component of it. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be returning to our series on building a second brain, which has created a surprising amount of interest. We might have hit a nerve for many of you. In the second segment, we'll talk about Dennis's creative, I guess that's a word for it, approach to hashtags. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, uh, a return to our second brain project, uh, the topic of organization uh, and something called Notion. Uh, Back a few episodes ago, episode 274, if you're interested in in going back and listening to it, we tackled the first part of the organized component. So we've talked about capturing and gathering, and now we're talking about how to organize the information. Um, And during that podcast, we mentioned something called Notion quite a few times. Um, We're going to return to that in this episode because it really makes a good close to the organization component. The reason for that is, for somewhat different reasons, Dennis and I both came to the conclusion that Notion was the right tool to use for our respective second brains. Uh, Dennis, before we go into those reasons, maybe we should do a quick recap of our second brain project and how organization fits into it. You gave some of that time, but I I think the idea here is is really this this sort of personal universal knowledge management tool or actually it'd be i would say it's a system more than than a tool cuz it's going to be a combination of tools and so what we wanted, what we said is we have stuff that's scattered everywhere um, it seems these days so it could be local it could be in different uh, file storage uh, cloud services it could be in in twitter in in all sorts of other collaboration tools social media all these things and and sort of like how do we take the things that we're doing 
So if we're researching something, we're able to pull that stuff together and kind of collect it as we find interesting things, um, as that that changes over over time, and then put it into a system where we can actually access that, organize it, pull stuff out as we need to, um, to make it actionable, and, and then potentially to share it with others if we're, we're working on other projects. So that's the notion of the second, the second brain. So not that we're just going to say, like, hey, we're just going to throw stuff on files and search for it, but can we do something that is going to bring all the inputs together into one place and then organize it in a way that is usable. And, and that's, that's where um, we want that sort of one central place. You could call it a dashboard, but you could say, here's the one place I go that's going to give me access to what's in my second brain. How's that, Tom? Uh, I think it's pretty good. I mean, we I would I would talk about it in contrast to some of the tools that we've thought about in the past as second brains and maybe things that we've used in the past, things like Evernote or OneNote. I think that, that you may have been looking at one of those tools initially as a second brain. I had been using Evernote for years as I would call it a second brain, but really it was just a place to archive websites or notes that I would take on things. And, and compared to a tool like Notion, which is what we've decided on, it's just not quite as smart. It doesn't have the capabilities to do all of those things that you just described. I mean, it can store things, um, you can search things, you can tag them, so get back to them. Um, but it doesn't really um, have the same type of power, I think, and as we'll go into here with a little bit more detail, as a tool like Notion does, which really, I think, has great capabilities for, uh, for being and qualifying as a second brain. So I, I guess we've got in the outline that I'm introducing Notion. Is this just as good a time as any to kind of talk about it and do a general introduction and have you f follow up with that with me? Yeah, I, I think it'd be good if you kind of describe to people, I and mean, we've talked about this before, but some people will be new to this podcast, but maybe describe um, what they would expect to see when they went to Notion and kind of what it does. So it's hard. I, if, if I really, this, it's times like this that I wish that we had a video a video show rather than just a podcast because I, I thought very hard about how to adequately describe Notion and I don't know that there's a great way to do that so I, I'm kind of looking at their website when I talk about it and we'll have a we'll have a link to that in the show notes it's notion.so if you're interested in looking looking at it but the way they describe themselves is write plan and get organized in one place that feels fairly simplistic but part of what they have is is that they've they I think were really designed for individual use and personal use although they've expanded to the enterprise where teams can work on this also I think for I personally think that this is a great tool for individual knowledge management and or other things but but here are some of the things that it does so you can take notes it's a note-taking tool you can set up pages and you can take notes in those pages and um, organize them uh, into notebooks so 
we'll, as we'll talk about later, I have a whole section of my Notion workspace that is just notebooks on different types of topics. Um, you can get organized. You can um, create a home base for recipes or for case law or for um, technology that you want to try out or anything like that. And you can set up a database. So that's one of the nice things about Notion is, is that it, it's not just a note-taking feature. You can actually set up databases within that, within the tool that you can search, that you can uh, put into other pages that connect up with each other. It's something that allows the information to um, not just live in one place, but it can connect to the other things in your second brain that you needed to connect to. You can track your tasks. You can do project planning. I see lots of people who um, set up their to-do lists, who set up their project plans within Notion, and they're able to track those tasks and projects and their goals very easily. Um, people use it for writing. So you can, uh, if you're using it to type, you can also use it to write. And some people have done it that way. As a productivity tool, I see a lot of people think seeing that, that Notion is something that that kind of is, and, and, and one of the people that we may wind up uh, talking about a lot on this show calls Notion your life operating system, where it can actually help you organize your life. Um, it allows you to do websites. You can build a website from Notion if you want to, and, and there actually are websites out there that you may not know were built using the Notion software. So it is, I think, very flexible software that allows you to keep information in a number of different ways. Um, that's I think a very inelegant way of putting it, Dennis, do you want to clean it up a little bit and maybe describe it a way that people might understand better than what I'm talking about? Yeah. So I, I like the fact that it, there's a great graphical interface. Um, that's really, uh, I hate to use the word intuitive, but it's modern and it has a lot of functionality of a wiki, but a lot, a lot more. And it also has a, a, a lot of template development. So I, um, I was using this in connection with a, another project that I was doing before you and I started thinking about it for, for Second Brain. And so this would be the thing I'm, I'm doing with uh, Exponential.legal. And so we put together um, all these different areas in there where we, we have, um, there can be business things. So like the, the mission statement, other things we're working on. We have all the brand materials collected at another place. We, uh, it's really great on meeting notes and then tagging those things and assigning tasks to people, good on tracking and follow up you know, storing and archiving things, uh, keeping PowerPoints, other, other, other things. You can actually do some simple writing in there. I, I still tend to default to Word myself uh, and then to copy it up there. But you can do a number of things, but it's kind of great to just go back and like all the notes for our weekly uh, phone calls are in one place. We can just kind of track through them and say like, oh, um, what did we say about that before? Or we can keep multiple drafts or versions of things and have everybody work on them. So it's uh, I really saw the use for it there. And then I started to adapt it for a couple of things that I'm doing on my own. And then... Uh, as we started to think through the second brain, I said, there's a lot of functionality in here that I like and it's easy to use and I could see it becoming adaptable to the second brain. So my why I started to lean towards Notion was that, that experience I had in the past. So I think 
time you're sort of uh, second brain is is what brought you to Notion. I believe you didn't have like that that past background. Well, it's not just second brain, but it's the fact that I try out lots of tools, and I when I see things, and I had heard about Notion. I mean, Notion Notion's not brand new; it's been around for a number of years. Um, what's interesting to me is is that the legal community, to my knowledge, isn't really using it that much, and I'm and I'm not sure as we talk about this more that. Notion is something that I just automatically recommend for law firms to use. I really think that there's a uh, th- this is better for smaller teams and or individuals to use. Um, that's going to be my personal preference. We we we, can, we may differ on that, but um, I came to this because I'd heard about it for a while. I'd never really paid attention to it, and then just as our second brain project was starting to kick off, I thought, you know, is this an option? And I started experimenting with it, and the more I tried tried it, the more I liked it, the more I realized that it really was a good, viable option. For me, it was really between, it was really between, um, Rome Research, which we've talked about also on the podcast, and Notion, um, and ultimately Notion won out because um, it just is more flexible, and and frankly for me, it's easier to use than Rome Research. Rome Research to me is um, is fairly powerful, but it requires a whole lot of a whole lot of in, not necessarily intuitive knowledge about how to organize things, and and Notion is. Um, very powerful. It can be complex. You can create complex things in here, um, but it makes it relatively easy to do it, which is was a big selling point for me. Yeah. So I sort of had two other things I considered. So one, uh, which I almost defaulted to, was OneNote. I've been using OneNote for a zillion years, um, and I thought it could work, but I've been thinking that for you know for a zillion years, and I've never made it work. So I was part of my thought was like, well, if I, it hasn't worked for me so far for whatever reason, and I know other people have done amazing things with OneNote, that maybe it's time to look at something new. And my experience in Notion was good. The other thing I looked at was kind of the the competitor to Rome Research in a way, something called Obsidian, which also can do some pretty cool things, but it's um, kind of like more of an, uh, it feels uh, like you really have to get your hands dirty. You have to learn markup language and other things, which are, you know, not not that big of a deal, uh, but it's, it's not as, you're not producing as quickly and as easily as, as you do in Notion. And we'll talk about, uh, Notion has these things called blocks, which, uh, I just think in terms of widgets, like you're in the SharePoint world and or, or web parts, I guess it was called in the SharePoint world, where you can just sort of pop this functionality right into what you're doing. And that uh, was another big selling point uh, of, of Notion. So that led me there. Um, then I guess, Tom, I'll just talk. Uh, a little bit about I did my uh, end of the year personal quarterly offsite a uh, little plug for my the online course I did on on that but it was uh, I spent some time really thinking through the second second brain in terms of what and and at a very basic level so I sketched out what I wanted to have coming into it in terms of inputs um, what I wanted to see in there and potentially what I wanted to have coming out of out of there. I also tried to say, here's what I want to do first, second, third, and here are here's some goals for that. And 
that was just really useful uh, for me to kind of set some priorities, to break it into into smaller chunks, and to say, here are the things that to me would be important. It would be successful to me if if I if I did those things. Then I went into Notion and looked at some of the templates and other. Uh, blocks, as they call them, in there, and I found a lot that fit what I wanted. Uh, so, from Kanban boards to calendars to those sorts of things, I was able to do that, and um, I can I now have a good sense of how those flows will work for me. Well, let's talk a little, just a little bit. You you mentioned the term blocks. Let's do a little bit of description on what blocks are. So. Blocks are really the one of the main functions of Notion, and what a block allows you to do is whenever you're in a page somewhere, you can add content to it by, it's separated out by blocks, and each block can have a bunch of different things. So some of the basic blocks are just text. You can add text. Um, you can add a to-do list. You can have certain headings, bulleted lists, numbered lists, you know, all sorts of uh, uh, very simple formatting quotes, dividers, you can link to page, you can call out. Those are a lot of things that are around taking notes or writing that would be useful. But you can um, you can also uh, put a database. You can put a, let's say that you create a database in one part of Notion, you can actually reference that database in another page. So you have access to it and link to it if you need to get to certain information. We'll talk in a minute about how I do that. Um, you can have, like Dennis mentioned, Kanban boards to do either tasks or other types of things. You can create galleries. I'll mention how I do that for the books that I read. You can do calendars and timelines. You can add media a bunch of different ways. Images. You can add web bookmarks. It could be your bookmark manager or you can put bookmarks in. Um, you can embed videos from YouTube or other websites. Audio you can embed. Um, and then I think that one of the things we might want to talk about now, Dennis, is kind of one of the selling points, I think, for Notion is Unlike a lot of these other tools, uh, and frankly, it's been a long time coming that Notion has, hasn't had this, is they now have um, more API development. And they finally opened up an API so that other tools could talk to them, which I think is one of the number one selling points of any tool that we would have is because, in, in my opinion, none of these tools have 100% of everything that you need for whatever it is that you have. So being able to plug in other things to fill gaps or to enhance the, the, the functionality that you already have to me is a big bonus. And, and here you can add in um, uh, Miro boards. You can add in a whimsical board. You can uh, put a re recording from Loom. You can put a Google Map. Um, you can embed tweets or PDFs all sorts of things that you can embed. And I would expect that this is just scratching the surface of what it's going to be able to do. Yeah. And, and so that API notion was key to me. And so as I think uh, inputs, you're right. I don't necessarily want to go to notion every time I'm doing something, but if I'm using as you are, Tom, and I will too, Readwise to take notes when I'm reading uh, books on Kindle, then um, I want that to automatically go into a place in Notion, and it's possible to do that. I would like to, uh, as I thought, like, well, where do I do things? Well, I have bookmark things. I have uh, videos. Uh, there might be stuff from from YouTube. Um, Twitter likes really important way for me to keep track of things, um, you know, and so part of what I want with the second brain is how do I pull that stuff in there, 
meeting notes are important to me. And then to be able to get my hands on uh, everything from headshots to bios to, uh, you know, uh, what I would call either personal brand materials or other brand materials, templates, those sorts of things, and have have them there. And that the, the ability to use the blocks to embed those things so they're right there um, is is super super useful so i just see a ton of potential there and then uh using the blocks to say oh now i can take some of the stuff and turn it into you know they can become calendar items so i can see this stuff it can be to-dos they can be kanban boards i can track things i can um, do a little you know light customer relationship management i can you know copy something out of an email and, and throw it in there uh, i mean it's, it's just very versatile um so versatility to throw things in there and also the possibility to use uh apis and other methods to have things automatically go in there uh, is really attractive to me let me go into a little bit more detail about how i'm using notion for my second brain and right now I have what I would consider to be a very simple setup. I, I literally have one database and then one other workspace. And then I roll that into a dashboard uh, for everything. And so what, what I've done is I've created something that I'm calling the Media Vault. Um, that's my one database. And we've talked about on other podcasts before. Um, I'm, Dennis and I both are using the ReadWise app to synchronize between different places. And so the Media Vault contains um, all the books that I have read or I'm going to read, magazine articles or internet articles that I've read and highlighted, um, uh, podcasts that I've listened to, and videos that I've watched and recommend. And for the most part, most of those are getting automatically loaded into this vault by Readwise. So whenever I read an article out there and I highlight it, those highlights are automatically coming into this database and I'm getting that information. So it's happening automatically. The database is being updated for me constantly. Now, when I read a new book, I'll go ahead and add that book in there. But this is where everything that I'm reading um, gets put. And all the notes, any notes that I take and anything that I've got, all of that is located in this media vault. The second major area is just, I'm for right now just calling it notebooks. And so it is for all the stuff that I'm not getting from a published source that I can synchronize with Readwise. So any notes that I might wanna take on my own, any websites that I might just wanna save, anything that's kind of ad hoc material that I want to keep. I'm keeping notebooks on different subjects. And then I tie all of that together. I'm tagging everything in my media vault. I'm tagging everything in my notebook so that I'm creating something called a knowledge hub. And the knowledge hub basically just links to everything in the media vault and the notebook. So right now I've got uh, areas in my knowledge hub for artificial intelligence, because we talked about that on a podcast, podcast research, I've got a second brain part of my knowledge hub, and then I've got one on software that I want to test. And what I use the knowledge hub for is, is that it's a roll up of all the books I've read, all the magazine articles I've read. I can find everything on artificial intelligence right here in one place. Any notebook stuff that I've created, any notes or, or, or websites that I saved, it all gets rolled up into the knowledge hub from these different places. And so that's how I plan to access my second brain 
in the future is to use that knowledge hub to go and say, all right, I need to, and I'm going to be doing a lot of my research for our upcoming collaboration book. I'm going to put that into my database and I'm going to roll it all up to the knowledge hub. So when I'm ready to write, I can come there and all of my notes are there. They're ready to go. And I just have to start reviewing them to get started. So that's a, to me, a very simple way of how one might use Notion for second brain. Right now it's working very well for me, but I would admit that I'm very in early days. There's probably a lot more to do with it, um, but I'm looking forward to learning more about how to uh, expand it and make it more powerful. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say Tom that you remind me there's a couple of things. So it was in my personal quarterly offsite when I looked at things, I said I was thinking in terms of functionality in the same you know as you were you were talking there a little bit. Um, so I had this notion because when you mentioned vault, I had a different sense of vault. Um, so I always run into these things where you you need certain information. You know, could be uh, tax return, could be my dad's estate planning uh, documents, my estate planning documents. Uh, you know, those things I've already created. This thing that I call archive. You know, so like stuff that's of that type that you sometimes get get asked a question about, or you like to put your hands on really quickly. And then I have another. A place I want to create, it's called At Your Fingertips. You know, it's again this sort of notion of there's things I I would like to have that are handy that I just don't want to put on a post-it note on, on the wall or something. So uh, now I have this post-it note that I'm looking at that has the, the Zoom meeting number for our uh, podcast calls, you know, but I would like to just kind of centralize that in, in in one place. So that's a big thing. And then uh, we didn't talk so much about tags, but I think that tags are going to be super important part of this. So that's another functionality I like, because I'm going to try to to really discipline myself about doing some tagging so I can start to say, oh, these things relate to each other and I, I can pull that stuff together because I can see the ways that the the blocks in in Notion can really help me make use of uh, of tags. So I like that. The the gaps, we were going to talk a little bit about the gaps, Tom. I, I just have a couple of ones, but actually one of them is, is sort of solved by what I saw in the new blocks that I just noticed tonight was that uh, since, since mind mapping is so essential to what I do, there's not a mind mapping tool as yet in Notion or really any any drawing tools of that type. Uh, so that's something that I need to think about. And there are going to be some some uh, uh, automations that, you know, either may not exist or I may have to figure out to get certain information into into Notion that makes sense. But it's, it's going to give me an opportunity to really edit. And every time I talk to Tom, I like his idea of that that vault or hub notion on, on research, I think is uh, something I may adopt as well. I don't think that I want to use notion for document storage. I mean, I might put, store a PDF as a reference for something knowledge based, but I think that I've usually kept separate, like the way that you describe things like estate planning and tax returns and things like that. Um, I have in, I, I don't see Notion as being the endpoint for that. Now, if Notion came up with an API for my OneDrive, 
then maybe we're talking and maybe I could link to it. And that would be a nice way to link to that information there. Keep it where I usually keep it, but have reference to it in Notion. That would be nifty. I'd like that a lot. Um, as far as gaps, I, I don't really see a lot of gaps for my purposes right now. Uh, the one gap that I have, and I, I keep making a call out here, is I really would love that we've talked about the the app Air, A-I-R-R-R, I think. I can't remember how it's, how it's spelled, but it's where you can take snippets of podcasts and embed them into your Notion database. Um, it's a great app. Right now it's iOS only. I really would like the Android app so I could take advantage of that. That's not really a Notion gap. That's an Air gap, so to speak. Um, but let's maybe wrap this up and say, how do we view this for lawyers in general? I mean, my opinion, as I stated before, is I'm not quite sure this is the a, a tool that a law firm is going to use. Even though they have enterprise tools, um, I, I don't know that this is the right tool for lawyers and law firms to use because I think there might be better tools that can do things like this that are geared toward law firms. I really feel like this, like, like Notion's real strength is in personal knowledge management or personal productivity or organization. Um, and it works best with individuals. Dennis, you've been working with other people on this, so you may have a different opinion about it. I'm just not sure that this is a, like an enterprise-wide tool for law firms, at least not where it is right now. Yeah, I, I take it, it, uh, it really shines as a, a personal tool. Um, and, and that's our bias. So of course, we're going to see the benefits there. But that's where I would first look at it. I would not, if I were a lawyer, I would say, this is going to be for me, I'm going to do it. It's going to be, uh, you know, something that I don't worry about integrating into what's there in a the law firm. This is going to be the stuff that really helps me the most in my productivity and the information that I need um, and kind of solves some problems with the existing tools. I, I w definitely, uh, I just can't even imagine like trying to fight with your, uh, you know, with management and IT to get this approved within a law firm. I do see it as uh, in, in what I did, if uh, what we've done, if you're starting something new, whether it's a side business or, uh, you know, a volunteer group or something else that you're, you're doing, uh, you know, I can almost see it for like your, your, your high school reunion or something like that. Um, there, those are the things where I think it makes sense. And, and those are great little projects because then you can start to see the potential and then you, you might do that and, you know, look into the future. I mean, frankly, here in January, 2021, we have no idea what's going to happen this year. So, uh, nobody knows where they're going to have the same job, you know, by the end of the year or whatever. So it's, uh, you know, having these tools that allow you to access the information you have as you're going forward in different ways. It, to me, it's just a good thing. It's just part of uh, the preparedness that we should all have. And look forward to our upcoming Second Brain episodes. We'll talk a little bit more about our Notion experience, experience and what we are finding out uh, as we uh, make more inroads towards establishing Second Brain. All right, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local, pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. 
visit www.servenow.com. Wish you could get a quote and purchase an appeal, trustee, estate, or any other court or fiduciary bond quickly online? Colonial Surety Company has every bond you need and is a direct insurer that's U.S. Treasury listed, licensed in all 50 states and territories, and rated A excellent by AM Best. So you can be confident it's a trusted resource. Get started at colonialsurety.com forward slash podcast. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy. And I'm Tom Mile. I recently told Dennis, and I think I've maybe done it on more than one occasion, um, that I think Dennis is, and Dennis, you wrote this script, so I have trouble reading what you wrote in the script, that Dennis is the expert on innovative new hashtags. I think the way I would put it really- You said that. It's exactly what you said. Well, maybe that was my polite way of putting it. Um, We thought (laughs) that it might be fun- to revisit the topic of hashtags and how they're being used, or maybe how Dennis is using them anyway. And I wanted to ask Dennis a little bit about his new approaches. Before I ask any questions, which my main question is going to be, what are you thinking? Um, I want to start out by describing what led me to ask him about this, is that Dennis um, has begun to, when, when we've talked about hashtags many times on the podcast, and we talk about the purpose for them, And, you know, without going back and listening to what I said, if I have to revisit my past self, I would say that hashtags are serve, you know, one or two or three purposes. For me, one purpose is findability. So in case you want this tweet to be found um, on, on, on Twitter or Instagram or wherever you happen to be using a hashtag, um, the hashtag helps you get found on a particular type of topic. So that's one way that it can be a hashtag can be useful. The other use that I see for hashtags is, um, you know, essentially uh, using it as humor and and saying hashtag and then spelling something out that's long that would never be findable that no one would ever look for. And that's where my question is coming because, Dennis, there's a lot of hashtags you use that literally no one else is using. Um, And if I'm looking right now at a few of your recent hashtags, I will come up with hashtag need many, many experiments. Uh, I see hashtag uh, court innovation. I see hashtag legal cloud update. I see hashtag, uh, what else do I see here? Love experiments. And literally no one uses any of these. These You do, you like hashtag amplifying a lot. And so um, clearly findability is not the reason why you're doing this. So here's, I just pose my question to you. What is the reason for this, what I would consider to be a different way of looking at hashtags? Oh, contrary time, findability is part of that in a funny sort of way. So th- there are two other uses of, of hashtags that I, I, th- I think have been important over time. So one is um, event related. So you could have official hashtag for a conference or there could be something True. like- uh, But, you know, but it me, relates to findability, but go ahead. Right, and so the, the, uh, the first time that you really saw hashtags come into play, I think a lot on Twitter was Hurricane Ike. Um, and so 
then the hashtag of of Ike and then of Hurricane. You also see hashtag and earthquake fairly prominent over time. And so it allows you to do a search on that in Twitter and find everything that's on that. So you're doing the screening. So it is a findability thing. Yeah, I guess Thomas is always findability. Uh, The other thing that you would find typically is that you – you might want to look something for something in on Twitter where people are posting about the Detroit Tigers baseball team. And if you just do a search on Tigers, you could pull up like all sorts of different sports teams, the animal, you know, like all, all kinds of different things. So the hashtag, because people self-organize around it, um, helps you find things that actually relate to what it is that you want to do. So that was the traditional use of it. Um, Then what I found was that uh, people were very creatively using the hashtag to make, uh, you know, uh, jokey comments, ironic comments, or comments on what they were actually talking about. Um, and it was kind of the people were really good at it was kind of a, a little bit of an art form. And so I, I admired that. And so I ex- experimented with with that a, a bit. But really what changed my approach to to hashtags uh, was that Twitter recently did this thing where they're trying to force you to actually read what you do before you retweet. And so they want you to what I would say is quote retweet which means that you retweet the tweet that you you would normally just uh, do a retweet of. Uh, That's hard to say. And then, but they want you to make a comment on it to encourage you to actually read that. So I became really interested in whether Twitter would treat uh, what you did differently if you made that comment or if you just did uh, what I call like a naked retweet. Uh, where you didn't say anything. And so what I found is that you might say uh, things like must read, hat tip, uh, great, you know, great comment, something like that. Well, all those things are, if you just write those things, they're kind of hashtaggy anyway. So what, what I decided was I could do this thing that would kind of help me find things if, if I put this stuff into my second brain through the tagging, but then also hit the highlight of what what I was uh, retweeting. And so the one that you said, hashtag many, many, need many, many experiments, that's sort of the, the main point of the tweet that I was uh, retweeting. So that's one thing I did. The amplifying thing, I, I purposely do that as a way to say, hey, here's something that I think is should be seen by the people who follow me because it's interesting in some way and deserves uh, like a a bigger audience. And uh, a number of people use the amplifying thing. And and I like that. It it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, this, I totally agree with it or anything. I I just think it needs to be seen by more people. And I usually do that um, in connection with... uh, you know, different voices, diversity, um, you know, other other things that I, I think need a bigger audience. So it's kind of a long answer time, but um, that probably doesn't surprise you. Uh, hashtag long answer. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And I'm not <laughs> sure I have any more questions either. I think that, um, you know, I, what's interesting is, is that Twitter's new um, sort of re- attempt to make sure that you read the stuff before you retweet it, re- retweet it 
doesn't really apply within third-party apps the same way. So I'm using Tweetbot um, on my iPad, and I can I never get asked to you know did you read it or anything like that. I don't get any of the messages, so I can retweet something automatically. But I get it. I get why you would want to do that. Why you would want to have something in there. And I think that it's really just a different it's a difference of approach. You know, when I retweet something that I think is important that people need to see, um, instead of a hashtag, I usually put a sentence or two of something that I you know my thinking that goes into what people are. Saying. So, you know, it's really just an approach. It's a way that people look at it. Um, I just, uh, some of these hashtags are kind of crazy, Dennis, but uh, hey, it's. Yeah, I'm going to say it's, it is an evolving tool, right? So Twitter's evolving. And, uh, and so it is an experiment to say, oh, I'm curious if uh, Twitter is using algorithms in different ways. Does the fact that, um, you know, by doing this quote retweet uh, with a hashtag, does that kind of get it served out to more people in a better way? Uh, you know, for people who aren't doing reverse chronological, um, then does that kind of get get me kind of more um, not necessarily views, but it's possible it, get, it gets me out in front of more people that way than not. So I don't know how the algorithm is working. So it's kind of an experiment as well. But I think hashtags just went kind of this great kind of ground up, open source, uh, self-organizing thing. And it's uh, just like another kind of interesting place to experiment and uh, you know, sometimes the hashtags will catch on in surprisingly in surprising ways, like uh, bar apocalypse. Right? Well, part of my part of my objection to hashtags has been that I've seen tweets that have totally abused hashtags, where instead of actually putting text into a tweet. Every word or other word is a hashtag where you really it's unreadable because there are so many hashtags in there. So I'm kind of gone the opposite direction. I'm not a big fan of hashtags lately, and so I don't use it. But I am interest, genuinely interested to, to determine uh, the outcome of your experiment, and maybe we can revisit it in an upcoming episode. Okay, now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip website or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Uh, and so um, my my tip is actually a website, and it's uh, I'm gu- I'm going to guess it's called Dolly. D-A-L-L-E. A while back, we talked about the OpenAI project, which was looking at GPT-3 in a way of uh, doing some amazing things around artificial intelligence. And what they've done with OpenAI, what OpenAI now has done, is that they've trained a network called Dolly. And I guess part of it is Dolly like the artist, but Dolly also like Wally, the the robot, um, to create images from text captions. So if you type a description, it automatically creates an image based on the description that you give it. And so you can actually go to the website. We'll put it in the, in the show notes. Um, you go to the website and you can look at, for example, it says, I want to see an illustration of, and then you pull down and you can say, I want a baby chipmunk or a baby fox or a bunny or an eggplant or Pikachu. Um, and you can select any of those things. It looks like there's about 15 or 20 different things here. Uh, I want an illustration of a baby panda uh, in a leather jacket, 
um, igniting a firework and you get dozens of images showing that and just say, you know what, I don't want him igniting a firework. I want it uh, playing a guitar. And it immediately changes to a baby panda in a leather jacket playing a guitar. And it's really amazing how they're able to create these things because the bears all look different. The guitars look different. The jackets look different. Um, it's very interesting to see how the artificial intelligence is doing this and also some of the limitations because it can't do everything that uh, we expect it to do. And so they, they kind of point out where it doesn't, it doesn't work exactly as expected. So uh, very interesting new use of, of AI. It's called DALI. That's cool. I'm thinking about typing in billable hour and seeing what uh, what image it comes up with. Uh, so mine is a, a Twitter feed uh, from Simon Kestenmacher, um, and it's at Simon German 600, all, all one uh, handle. Uh, and what he does is maps, maps, and more maps. And so all the time he's coming up with the coolest maps and, and posting them on Twitter. And you will learn a lot from those maps. Uh, you see how people have used maps in different ways over the years uh, to show information. Uh, I learned about all the different ways you can look at the Earth. Uh, one of my favorite things that he does are these great maps that show uh, not the standard uh, you know, map of the world that we're used to, I guess, in, in the U.S., but maps that sort of use another part of the world as the starting point. Um, so you get like a completely different view. So like what if the North Pole is at the bottom of the map? You know, that kind of thing. Um, but just tons of great information, super fun. Um, and he has a big following, and uh, it's you know, it's a, every day you get some really interesting little map uh, to stretch your your mind and your imagination. You can't beat that these days. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, remember you can reach, us, reach out to us on LinkedIn or leave us a voicemail. We'd love to have your questions for our B segment. That number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network. <laughs>